Welcome to an original series, the podcast celebrating our favorite TV shows behind the paywall. I'm Patch, one of your co-hosts, and with me celebrating the world of long-form storytelling, as always, is my friend Adam. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. It's We've had a little hiatus again, so we're back after a little while to yeah. catch up and talk more about what if. As long as the question's being asked, we're going to talk about it. What if? And so at some point, <laughs> yeah. we will not be asking that question. Maybe a few episodes from now, we'll be asking other questions about certain dimensions that reverse ours in some ways. So just giving you a little hint of what we might be recording <laughs> in the near future. But anyway, that's not ambiguous at it's all. It's a surprise. So <laughs> Well, on this episode, we are talking about season one, episode seven of What If, called What If Thor Was an Only Child. And I know that when we last left our conversation, we were both really excited about this. This was one of the episodes that I think neither of us had seen. We were excited about the premise, the idea of, hey, that'd be kind of cool to see Thor without Loki because it's like peanut butter and jelly or pancakes and syrup or whatever goes with pancakes, maybe butter if you don't like syrup, but whatever. (laughs) I went into this feeling kind of like unknown and after watching the Killmonger episode, which was not disappointing, but less than stellar, less than what we wanted, I wanted something more. So before I get to my thoughts, I wanted to throw it to you. What did you think about this episode? Well, like you, I had not previously seen this episode. In fact, the remaining episodes of this season I have not seen. I I had dabbled and watched a couple, cherry-picked a few early on when it first came out, and then just kind of got busy, didn't go back and fill in the holes. And I have not seen this one or or any of the episodes that come after at all. So this was a a first-time watch for me, and I was expecting one thing in my mind, and this was not what I was expecting, but in a good way. It was a much more lighthearted, almost comical episode. And I think that's what makes this series really strong for me as an anthology show that it can have a variety of type of episodes tonally that you can have a really dark and sad episode like the Doctor Strange episode that we discussed a few episodes back. That was very somber and and dark at the end, whereas this is just right out of the gate, quite funny and almost ridiculous in its nature. I had a lot of fun with it. And it kind of left me smiling. I, I came away just really smiling from it. So it was a home run for me in in the approach that it was taking, which is kind of, for me, it's kind of the, uh, the approach of maybe Thor Ragnarok or Thor Love and Thunder, that sort of less serious, but still lots of action and adventure uh, approach, a little bit more so than right. maybe the first two Thor films, mm-hmm. which had a slightly more serious tone i would say yeah i would say a less comedic like leaning more into the dramedy as opposed to an an action more so the last two films being heavily on the jokes and i wanted to just take a few minutes to talk a little bit about that so if you listen to feeling film my buddy aaron and i we covered i don't know if we covered the original thor we did cover ragnarok and both of us kind of left that viewing with a kind of a bad taste in our mouths because of the fact that we like comedy, or I like comedy. I think people would argue that comedy is not initially Aaron's forte. Like, I, I could laugh my butt off in 
yeah. you know, a movie like Ragnarok. And we both did. And I think the issue for us is the tonal shift from the first two movies. And so when you talk about building a character and you create Thor and the Dark World, which the Dark World is clearly one of the weaker, not only in the MCU, but specifically with Thor's storyline, there was obviously a conscious choice to lighten up his character. And the challenge we had with Ragnarok specifically was that it was coming right on the cusp of Avengers Infinity War when this major thing was going to happen. The drama and the stakes, the things that we've been waiting for as moviegoers. And so when we got to Ragnarok, it was disappointing because the stakes were really sort of not there. It was fun. Could not deny laughing a lot. Taika Waititi is a great comedic writer. Clearly, he's having a ton of fun. Love and Thunder didn't see it, bowed out when it came around, and will eventually catch it because I know that it's just as fun, but I know that they've basically doubled down on the Ragnarok approach. And so while I personally don't care for that, because I feel like when you switch that, it just makes it very hard to swallow for me personally, I understand. And I think part of it, my theory is that Thor is probably in this primary set of phase one characters, probably the weakest or received the least amount of like, wow. And throughout the franchise, throughout the whole MCU that we've seen, his character has sort of been throwaway, if we can call it that. I mean, he lost Jane Foster in Thor and she doesn't make an appearance again until Love and Thunder. I mean, that's a long time duration wise that we don't get to see this love story that we, we might have gone into. And so in, in a lot of ways, Thor feels a lot like the Incredible Hulk, where it was like, okay, we're just kind of bringing these characters together so that we can get to Avengers. Okay, we're cool. And so I totally get why Ragnarok and Love and Thunder went the way they did. Don't quite agree with it, but it is what it is. And this is why we like movies. We like movies because they make us feel something. We like movies and everybody can have their own opinion. And I'm not going to squash anybody's love for Ragnarok or Love and Thunder. And there are people out there that swear by the Dark World, say it's the best. Those people are crazy, in my opinion. But <laughs> the fact is, this is why there's greatness in the subjectivity of art, is that we can really appreciate this. So that being said, that kind of approach for Thor worked phenomenally for me in this 30-minute cartoon. And I think it's the package. I think it's the vessel by which you don't have a connection to anything else apart from the standard story that we're familiar with. Because What If has the ability to sort of disconnect itself from the main story by telling its own unique story for a particular character. Everything in here worked really well in terms of keeping me entertained, telling a fun story, not taking itself too seriously because it didn't have the baggage of, well, before you were doing this with him and now you're not. So I didn't have that going into this. And so everything about this episode was like this sandbox of fun. As you mentioned, it was really lighthearted Fun Thor, who I can get behind in theory and on paper, really shines here. I think Chris Hemsworth is having probably the time of his life as the <laughs> character in this episode. And I think every actor that came back for this was having the time of their lives at doing these things because this is truly a what if. When you ask the question, what if Thor was an only child? I know that we talked at the tail end of the last episode. Hey, what would it be like if Loki wasn't around? Well, you're not going to get rid of Loki. I mean, Loki is going to be around. But the way they bring him in is so great 
because it's not like he's the serious one now and Thor's the fun one. They're both really just adolescent teenagers. One's just giant and blue. And so right, right. it just adds to that fun factor that we've sort of gotten used to in these last couple of films from the Thor movies. And we've packaged it in a 25 to 30 minute adventure that I think makes a lot of sense. So for me, like you, this was a home run. This is a great kind of re-engaging of the the what if series it was kind of a great comeback and it makes me excited about the next two not specifically because they might be connected we'll get to that but for the fact that as you mentioned having a story like this tonally and lighthearted and sort of really just sort of we're just going to do whatever really kind of rounds out this genre of what if stories that it, not every story has to be serious. Not every story has to right. lose Tony Stark in it. Right. <laughs> and not every story has to have, have lots of deaths. Exactly. You know, we can have a party and that's what we get in this one. And so I was really yeah. happy to watch this. I admit that I was like, Oh my gosh, is this Ragnarok all over again? And I was like, yeah, it kind of is. And that's cool. I'll take that. So my note taking viewing was a lot more enjoyable I love the just writing down lines left and right. I'm not going to quote all of them. There might be a few that show up here in the in the edit afterwards. But yeah, overall, this was great for me. Yeah, I mean, th- I agree. This is definitely Taika Waititi's version of Thor, but going back to a younger version of him. You know, we're seeing baby-faced animated version of Chris Hemsworth here, which it's been so long since I saw the first film that I kind of went back. I was just curious and watched the first 20 minutes of the original Thor. And wow, just Chris Hemsworth looks so young. I, it's really <laughs> strange. You're like, wow, look yeah. at him. Uh, having just recently seen Love and Thunder, and he's, he's just a much more weathered individual now, more mature. And he really was that young, whatever it was, 12, 10, 11, 12 years ago, whatever it was, something. Yeah, it, 2011. It, it, it's I think hard to keep track. Out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time for an actor, uh, and he was just sort of starting out, really, his career mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, this is a a more fun version. But what I found interesting is that it's not totally out of character, even for the first Thor, because there's a scene in the opening of the first film where he's entering the throne room to approach his father, and he's like, you know, pointing at everybody and kind of like he's just clearly yeah. a spoiled rich kid, and right. he's so excited to be anointed king, you know, and He's just clearly not ready. Clearly, this is who he really is. He just wants to have fun, party with his friends. And so it's kind of not out of character. And the idea being that maybe the only thing that kind of kept him moving forward in a more controlled direction was the fact that he had a brother that he was kind of always competing with that kind of made him work kind of like the space race. It made both the United States and the Soviet Union work harder to get to the moon because they each were trying to achieve the same thing. That's a great point. The removal of his brother is what made him really just become not just a spoiled rich kid, but a spoiled single rich kid. And that might be the single worst thing that you could be. And I think they just took that idea and ran with it. And again, I I just want to point out that I do really enjoy both of Taika Waititi's Thor films. I think they're a lot of fun. I totally understand that it's a tonal shift from the first two. And I think you're right. I think they were trying to sort of right the ship after Thor Dark World didn't connect with audiences well. They were trying to find a way to give him his own identity that was so different than like Chris um, 
Chris Evans. What's his name? Chris Evans as as Captain America. There's so many Chris's. I was like Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> Chris Pine. Like who? Which Chris am I thinking? Of? Yeah, Chris Evans. He is the serious hero, right? He's the leader. So what can they do to differentiate Thor? Is make him almost a comical, lighthearted uh, character. And it re- it reminds me a little bit of like the Star Trek films of the original series. Uh, you know, you had Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, or so dire. You had Spock dying, coming back to life. And then you have Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, which is just this total farce, comical adventure where they go back in time to capture humpback whales and bring them into the future. And they're fished out of water in 1986, San Francisco. And it's completely different, but it still works somehow. It still all connects and makes a seamless story. And I kind of feel that's sort of what happened here. They were going for a lighthearted beat right before, as you mentioned, the Infinity War slash Endgame culmination, where it was going to be so much in terms of the consequences and the stakes. They were so high. There's going to be people dying they're going to have to dig themselves out of this horrible hole, you know, that was inevitable with Thanos. So it just felt to me like a nice little breather, if you will. I'm talking about Ragnarok at this point, um, right before everything kind of went really bad. <laughs> right. So anyway, this isn't about the actual films, but they do. They clearly influenced this episode. That's why I think we're addressing it, because yeah. without those four Thor films, and their tonal changes, we probably wouldn't have this really fun what if episode. No, I agree. And uh, you mentioned Star Trek Four. Ironically, as someone who's not a big fan of Ragnarok and potentially Love and Thunder, I actually really enjoyed the Voyage <laughs> Home. I thought it was a lot of fun. Me too. It's one of my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, th- I want to say that was my first entry into the Star Trek films. And then I worked backwards and uh, eventually yeah. obviously covered them all. But yeah, when you look at this episode, you get all the great stuff from, I think, the very first film and you get the Watiki touch with everything else. This idea of a god who comes down to earth and just wants to party, I think is a really, <laughs> really fun concept. And I think it can work in this sort of vacuum of an episode because it doesn't have to have consequences. Like all the stakes in this were things that could get fixed from the monuments getting destroyed and and upended to getting replaced and all that good stuff. I thought that was fantastic. But the whole crux of this is about him getting in trouble with his mom. Like this is completely stupid. It's completely silly, but it works so well because it's absurd. And that's what I think I like about the episode is it makes light of big things. Like there's this one moment where Jane is introducing herself to Thor and she says, Wait, wait, wait. You're Thor? <laughs> As in Thor, the Norse god of thunder? And anytime Chris Hemsworth delivers his lines, I think it's just amazing because it's just so, like, uh, very deep. And he goes, I don't know anything about horse gods, but I don't know how to bring the thunder. Uh, okay. And it's just, you, it's, it's so much fun. But then she talks yeah. about, he talks about him having this party and he basically kills a planet by partying. And I think he goes back later and says, no, it wasn't a planet. It was more like an asteroid. So it was you know on the verge of dying anyway. And that they eventually got everyone off you know, or something like yeah. that to save me. It's like no big deal. Right. And I think that, that whole idea of making light of big things is what carries this whole story through. Like everything about the episode is so absurd from that perspective, but that's why it works because you believe it from the very beginning. I mean, we get 
the introduction of Jane and her partner, I forget who it is. Uh, is it Darcy? Yeah, Darcy. Darcy, yeah. Jane and Darcy, they're in the van. Yeah, yeah. Going back to the familiarity from Thor, just right off the bat, when they see what happens in Vegas, they see Thor. Who does Darcy see and ends up, I guess, marrying? But Howard the Duck. He makes yet another appearance, which I think is just, again, it's absurd. But I think having that early on, just that small moment and that line that Thor says, it just really sets the tone. It says, this is the kind of episode we're going to have of this Norse god who just wants to have fun. And he's decided that he's going to make Earth or Midgard his playground for I don't yeah. know. It's, it's like a week or something. I think the whole the it's total like time spring for, break for him. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's a great that's a great way to put it. It's spring break for the Norse gods, and if you're not partying, you're a party pooper, as he says. Yeah, and he like somehow brings all of like his alien friends that we've met in the MCU are all here in yes. Las Vegas with him <laughs> partying. You have the Guardians of the Galaxy. You have Howard the Duck, and just all these random alien creatures and species that we've been introduced to through the various films are just all hanging out having a good old time and it's funny because after the fact i was like you know what this is this is basically like an 80s teen comedy where the main character has like an epic party in his parents house and he has to clean it up before his parents get home and not get in trouble (laughs) this is weird science adam this is weird science right here totally weird science this is the big party at the end of weird science john (laughs) hughes did he not write it's like they just yeah john hughes just comes back from the dead and writes this thing this is amazing there you go yeah (laughs) he he's continuing to inspire he is and i i think that's so great I also love the fact that you mentioned all these people that come back uh, that we yeah. see. We don't get to see everybody, hear everybody talk, but we even get, just like we have Nick Fury in an earlier episode, just has one line at the very end. I think it's at the very first episode. We get Jeff Goldblum has like two lines. And one of my favorite lines yeah. is during this whole montage of a party, he's DJing this big giant <laughs> party and he stops the music and he goes, Release the phone. boom it's like yeah like i want to be at this party adam i want to hang out with all these cool people yeah i know i I thought it was great man it's so much fun (laughs) it really was and there's some like you said the the ridiculous scene where darcy marries howard the duck and and one little funny thing because this episode i think of all of the episodes is more packed with little easter egg details than probably any other episode so in that sense alone if you're like a diehard mcu fan you're going to have more of a payoff i think in just watching and scouring the background for little details like earlier in the episode when thor is walking through the hall you can see the infinity gauntlet in the background little things like that you know but in that howard the duck scene it's elvis marrying them but it's elvis and if you look closely it's a likeness of Kurt Russell as Elvis, which oh, is I didn't notice so that. crazy. And then if you look on the book that he's holding, which should be a Bible, right? It's actually a book that says, love me tender on it. So just like <laughs> little tiny things that if you just pause your viewing and look at every character in the background and every little thing written, it's jam packed. So it's very rewarding in that sense. You'll really have fun spotting all these characters you've seen. Again, not all of them speak, but a lot of them do have a line or two, which is great. And so many of those actors came back as usual to give us uh, their characters. Yeah. I like that Jane and Thor get tattoos. I think hers says magic and his says science. I thought that was pretty fantastic. Yeah. 
What's interesting, Adam, is we talk about this episode, and we could probably sum it up as in throw, throw, Thor throws a big party, his mom finds out, and he has to clean up, which is basically what this episode is. But the interesting part about this is that there's like a subplot that comes in. So the story actually gets pushed along after this big blow up in Vegas. I think it's like the next morning, Maria Hill visits Jane because apparently Jane has sent a message saying, Hey, aliens have come to earth and she doesn't know that Jane has hooked up with Thor. And so (laughs) there's like this issue and we get the introduction of captain Marvel. And I think we've seen her before in a previous episode, probably not in like her full glory. Like we see her here, but I thought that was a really interesting choice. And I think you could make the argument that the story didn't need it, but I think that the story added a really great addendum with her because you had Thor as this child, this sort of just spoiled kid who's a god going up against a woman who Maria says that she could basically tear a hole in the planet if she punched hard enough. So it sets up a really fantastic fight sequence between them. And we've talked so much about the choreography in each one of these episodes, even if the episode itself wasn't fantastic, the way that these fight sequences take place, this is no different. Seeing them just punch each other and pummel one another, you're not going to hurt these folks. And the only way that we get Captain Marvel to surrender or whatever it is, or to give up is Thor's hammer, which I can never pronounce. Can you pronounce it? Is it M- M- Mohendan? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, just- it's- Molnir, Mjolnir. I don't know. (laughs) There's an M and a J in there. It's hard. (laughs) There's a Mjolnir. My name is Thor. (laughs) With a T and an R and an O and an H, but not in that order. (laughs) Coincidentally, that's when he meets her. And so he tries to spell his name, which I think is hilarious. But I love that subplot. I love the fact that we get to see Captain Marvel doing her thing. And I'd like to believe, honestly, even though these stories aren't really connected to each other, that the creators are trying to bring characters in to give them a little bit of a kind of a test drive before potentially we get to see all of them fight again in one of the two upcoming episodes. And I haven't watched them, but I've read the titles and you would think that Earth's Mightiest Heroes are going to probably be involved. So I'd like to think that this story allows for that kind of test run or that kind of tryout or that kind of sneak preview of both Captain Marvel and Thor's power and how, I mean, because this is a God of thunder. This is not a human being going up against someone who is not a human being. (laughs) Seeing them just kind of reminded me a lot of Batman V Superman with the superpower Batman going up against Superman and, you know, using his weakness against him for a little bit. But it was really good. I really liked the subplot quite a bit. Yeah, I did too. And I think there's actually one shot in particular, like a two shot where it shows them fighting. It's so well choreographed. Like you just see them blocking and fighting. And I'm going to jump over and compare it to Man of Steel when Superman is fighting Zod. And they're just like two gods Great. punching each other. And when yes. they punch them, they just fly through the sky. Mm-hmm. It, it's really like if you want to see two gods fight on Earth, that's this episode. We're seeing people with just powers where when right. one gets punched, they're not just flying across the desert. They're flying to another continent, Yeah, <laughs> you know, up into space. I love the way yeah. they show that, too, where they go from, it's, what is it, Paris to... Into the United Kingdom, I think, you, where they, they land right. near Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah. And then I think they get knocked into the Grand Canyon or something. Yeah, it's ridiculous. 
I really thought the fight sequence was fantastic. And to me, that's what made this episode work even better is that it wasn't just like a big party and he's getting in trouble. But no, there were some stakes here where they were going to launch a nuke to basically try to kill Thor if she couldn't, if Captain Marvel couldn't stop him. And that's a pretty big deal. So for that to happen, you would have potential nuclear fallout, all types of other issues. And I, and I think there's even a funny line towards the end where, where Rumlo says, oh, we never get to fire the nukes. Yeah, right. <laughs> they, that's so good. <laughs> so clearly just wants to blow some stuff up. I but. mean, it'd be fun. It's dangerous and, you know, life-threatening. And, and side, yeah, side note, here's the pronunciation of Thor's hammer. It's pronounced Mjolnir. So it's M-Y-A-W-L is the pronunciation. It's not spelled this way. It's Mjolnir. Mjolnir. There you no. go. I figured Thor's it out. hammer. It's gonna be Thor's hammer. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, that's, I'm good. That's, that. that's a that's a that's a tough one. But <laughs> yeah, I, there's um just some great scenes in here as well. It is interesting that Captain Marvel Brie Larson did not return, whereas almost everyone else here, I think, except I think the only only other big omission was Thor's mother. You're exactly right. So many of the cast, so many of the actors came back for this, which. But what I'm appreciating, Adam, is the new folks that come in to replace. Brie Larson obviously did not voice Captain Marvel, but I don't remember the actress's name, but she did phenomenal. You know, she introduces herself by, you know, yelling at Thor saying, hey, Whitesnake, we need to talk. And of course, it's yeah. followed up by his his great line, he can't spell his name. And then she's compared to, I think she's one of the only two women that Thor has uh, has come into contact with. He's talking to Jane and he's you know, swooning over her, and she's like... How many Earth women have you met? Uh, two, but the other one hit me with a bridge, and, well, that hurt more than my face. <laughs> That's yeah. when he calls her, he says, uh... <sighs> you know, there's a Midgardian word for women like you. Party pooper! <laughs> there, I said it! <sighs> okay, this one's for Fury. And then we get her epic uppercut after that, which I think is just fantastic. Oh, but she did a fantastic job, and I never really tried to listen for Brie Larson. And I think that's what's great yeah. is when you have actors that can bring that kind of stuff to the table. I think what makes it work is that there's not a lot of dialogue with folks that right. aren't. It's a very physical in, role yeah. in this episode. It's all about her right. action scenes. and yeah. And I think that's one of the issues I had with our last episode, which is the guy that portrayed Tony Stark, he sounded like Robert Downey Jr., but when you hear him talk more and more and more and you can tell it's not, it almost sounded like an imitation, as if like right. me doing an imitation of Will Ferrell doing an imitation of Harry Carey. Like that's right. kind of the danger you run into when someone is trying to portray an actor who portrays a character. I think that with folks like Captain Marvel, there weren't a ton of lines, but the lines that were delivered felt like things that Brie Larson, how she would deliver them. And so I yeah, think that's what yeah. makes it work. I'm not saying that these actors yeah. can't do this this full time. And if we get a whole episode with Captain Marvel played by the same actress, I'm not going to feel bad about that. But I think the issue with Tony Stark is that Robert Downey Jr. has a specific sound. Like we've gotten so familiar with him as Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr.'s voice is so distinct that to imitate it, 
would be very challenging and you'd get that comparison probably unfairly. And I think that's kind of yeah. what we're kind of picking up on that last episode. I agree. Yeah. And the actress's name is Alexandra Daniels, who uh, took on the role of Carol Danvers slash Captain Marvel. Okay. And and the only actress that didn't return otherwise that I am aware of is Renee Russo as Thor's uh, mother. So gotcha. she played that role in the films and did not come back. Again, it could have been a scheduling thing. You never know. But the fact that they got Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Tom Hiddleston, Kat Dennings as Darcy... And then all those supporting roles as well, including Samuel Jackson, Jeff Goldblum, Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill, yeah. Clark Gregg is back for a couple lines with <laughs> Phil Coulson, yes. Frank Grillo as Brock, who ends up becoming the villain in Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah, you just have even like Jamie Alexander as Sif is back. Lots of little little roles. Howard the Duck played by Seth Green. <laughs> so it's it's very fun to hear their voices if they were able to come back, it's, it is yeah. fun to, to hear them re-embody those characters. This episode works primarily, as you mentioned earlier, because Chris Hemsworth is Thor. His voice is so recognizable at this point as Thor that if someone was trying to imitate him in this, I don't know if this episode would have played as well. It yeah. might have still been fun, but I don't know if it would have worked quite as well, considering that he's played the character now in half dozen films right if you include more than that really four thor films four avengers films yeah and i'm sure there's some other appearances i'm forgetting about so yeah some good stuff and going back to clark Gregg, i know we're big fans of phil colson and he had a funny line that i chuckled at because he he said the party atmosphere seems to be spreading canada mongolia even pennsylvania dutch country <laughs> that was nice for me <laughs> That was a nice shout out to my, my home state. And that's an area of, the, of Pennsylvania where it's not far from where I, I grew up. And I just <laughs> thought that was humorous because not many people know about Pennsylvania Dutch country. And oh, it's God. a very specific part of Pennsylvania. Is that Amish country? It's near. It, it, it's okay. very much in the same area. Yeah. It's okay. uh, near Lancaster. And yeah, it, which is where the movie Witness took place. The Harrison okay. Ford yeah, film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a very it's kind of inside joke for anyone, you know, I guess, that's from Pennsylvania or knows that part of the state. And I'm wondering why, like why of all the places he could have mentioned, <laughs> why there? I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess because it's uber conservative, <laughs> like there's no way that, that party, yeah, would, the parties that they would there, be but... partying there. Maybe that's <laughs> it. Yeah. Because <laughs> the influence that Thor has. That's how big this party has become. <laughs> yes. It's, it is a so, world shaking party for sure. Yeah. So anyway, I I enjoyed that. There's a whole set of dialogue in, the, I guess, the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. Captain Marvel has been taken down by Thor's hammer. And uh, as, as she gets up to go away, the crowd's yelling. And then they're yeah. back at S.H.I.E.L.D. I love that Darcy loves Captain Marvel's cat's name. You've got a cat? What's his name? Goose. Oh, Top Gun! Oh, you're Maverick! Is your ego writing checks that your skills can't cash? No. Yes. And then they start taking a dig at the Dakotas because they're trying to figure out a place to actually like have this big battle where there's not going to be a lot of people. Like, yeah, it won't be a lot of collateral damage. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. right. Although I think of all the states, I think Wyoming as beautiful it is as it is, is the least sparsely populated. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's correct. 
you can literally walk for days in Wyoming and not see like a living soul. <laughs> it's that. I kind of like that idea. Um, I kind of like Yeah, that. it's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and if you watch the show, show Yellowstone, it's all shot in Wyoming. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. But I think in the end, they end up going to like Siberia or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember. They don't. They don't specifically say, but yeah, it's someplace cold uh, with polar bears because yeah. obviously when Thor's mom shows up as a as a hologram, he can, tries to convince her that he's in his room right. with polar bears in the background. Yeah, he's trying to pull one over on his mom, saying like, yeah, yeah, that's, you don't do that. Jane sold me up. She said you were on Midgard. Well, she is mistaken. I'm obviously in my room studying. <laughs> <laughs> I went I to Midgard to study. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this episode would not be complete without Loki, and I think that yes, if yeah. if you had had Tom Hiddleston absent from this, I think it would have worked okay. But the fact is, Tom Hiddleston is so great as Loki, and this is coming from someone who has not watched the TV series. But I just oh, love okay. his performance, and I, and I think this is just my love for the actor. I think Tom Hiddleston is just a great dude. Uh, not that we have lunch or anything, but I've just I love watching him work. And in this specific episode, it is so great. His introduction is completely telegraphed. Like I figured this was going to happen. Yeah. It's so cool to see him as this big blue dude, and how he comes up to Thor, calls him his brother from another mother. And Loki goes, brothers forever, forever. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. so childish and silly, but it works. And when he reaches down to shake Thor's hand, Thor just like grabs his pinky finger. That's how yeah. big he is. It's just like <laughs> he shakes his pinky finger. Yeah. But it's like they've done this before. It's like, right. this is their little, you know, greeting for one another. Here, yeah, here's like, my pinky. I wish they had like a secret yeah. handshake with just the pinky. Yeah. So like that would be kind of <laughs> exactly. cool. Exactly. He has another moment yeah. with a cell phone where he's talking to Jane. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and he's like holding it's, this little cell phone. It looks like his... the tiniest thing in the world in his yeah. fingers. Yeah. It, it looks like a phone from Zoolander, you know, where Zoolander has right. this little right. miniature phone. And he's like kind of getting creepy on it. He's like, hey, Earth girl. You haven't got a friend, have you? You know, we could double date. Ah. It's just, it's so silly. The way they shot or shot animated the, the dropping of when he lets, when he, lets the phone go it like slips out of his fingers it takes forever to fall <laughs> because it's so high up and it just like shatters on the ground yeah. it's just there's like little touches like that that i thought were very amusing and just mm -hmm. you know completely unnecessary to the plot but that's why i think it works because there's just lots of little fun comical moments that they mm -hmm. they sprinkle in yeah and so having him part of all this i think adds to that humor it really comes to that great culmination when Thor finds out that his mom's coming to Midgard and he's like, he gets to, I think it's the Golden Gate Bridge. Everybody's having a good time. And he says, All right, listen, party's over. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay. Uh, wait, where, where are you going? C come back. No, 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 no. You, you do have to stay here and, and we need to clean up. And he tries to recruit Loki. And Loki does something that maybe a lot of us, you know, are, are used to. He goes, you sound like Odin. You know, like, you're old. Yeah. You you sound responsible. Right. You're, you're turning into your father. Exactly. Yeah. And like any good half-brother, he just leaves him. He's like, it's your job. I mean, I'm not responsible for anything. You just take off. So <laughs> before he implements his great, like, God of Thunder voice, one of the great lines in there comes from Drax when he's asking 
for people to help him clean up because look who's pooping the party now it is you you are pooping the party where are you going Can I come back <laughs> yeah so much fun just watching how he goes up in dramatic fashion and he goes you will listen to me my mother is coming and she is not happy i love that everybody freaks out like oh this is a big deal right and that's why it's like an 80s teen comedy because that's when all everyone's like whoa no they're coming home early what and you have to rally up the whole gang to make it right before they get home. And yeah. there's a funny line I really like as they were about to fight. And, of course, she comes down, as you mentioned, his mother kind of projects herself down. When she goes away, Captain Marvel says, my suggestion, start in the corners and clean your way outward. And Thor just says this hilarious thing. He's like, corners, corners, but it's a sphere. Yeah, he just do- he doesn't even understand what she's saying. He's so yeah. confused. He has no idea where to even begin. You know, he does ultimately fix everything, but there's a great right. moment. I'm sure you picked up on this. Oh, yeah. He pushes the Leaning Tower of Pisa straight, <laughs> just like in Superman 3. Again, yes. a little DC crossover here. Yeah. But there's no way they didn't know that there would be a parallel drawn there. I mean, they clearly knew what they were doing. Yeah, because the shot even looks almost identical the way he comes in and pushes it. It's just yeah. it's hilarious because that was like a, a whole gag from Superman three where when yeah. he's evil Superman, he he straightens the tower. But then when he turns <laughs> back, he and, and there's that like sculptor. Remember that? It gets like so mad. Little, he gets so <laughs> mad. Cause yes, he shatters all of his sculptures of the tower because he has to make them straight now. And then at the end, Superman puts it. <laughs> makes it crooked again and he, he just <laughs> he has to start all over again yet again anyway yeah. i i found that amusing having grown up with those superman christopher reeve films even though that's not by any stretch my favorite superman movie uh, <laughs> that's another conversation we can have it's not mine yeah, either but that's a whole nother but one. i have i have a yeah. special place in my heart for superman 3 so but yeah, yeah I, I picked up on that and again it's tonally perfect because this absent-minded guy thinks he's actually doing right because everything else has right. been messed up. I love the Mount Rushmore, them putting mustaches and stuff on him. I thought that <laughs> yeah. was kind of cool. Yeah. And then whoever, I don't remember who the, gosh, again, I don't know who that giant um, monster thing from Thor. Oh yeah. From the, uh, yeah. From the, I call the uh, opening of Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's um searcher or something like that. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to remember how you say it, but anyway, but yeah. again, you know, making light of things that are normally pretty serious. So you've got this big giant monster yeah. who's flirting with Statue of Liberty and ends up burning her arm off and then has to replace right. it. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> um, the Ferris wheel from London, you know, them putting it back on. It just, it's, it's just like if I were a god and I had the world as my playground, what would I do? And I, you know, I'd basically replace the Great Wall of China with Lego. That's what I would do if it was me. I would say, <laughs> let's tear down these walls and let's put Lego of multicolor up there and build it again or right. build it even taller with Lego. That's the kind of ideas that I think you're getting from this kind of episode. And the way that Thor makes light of some of that, like when he's fighting Captain Marvel, they end up over at Stonehenge. She's like, Hey, quit it. These are, I don't know what these are. No one does, but no, I said, no, stop. Oh, but I just have to do a little boop. Boop. 
It's just like he has no regard for the But I like that she doesn't even know. She's like, I don't know what they're for. Like she even makes a comment like, I don't know why it's important, but it's it's, it's important. important right? so. I don't know. Right. So. And uh and so just seeing them put all that together, I think that's definitely something from the eighties, you know, the idea of the clean it up montage, again, weird science yeah. using using magic yeah. to clean up the whole house, I thought was fantastic. And then we get to the end where his mother shows up. And Thor is, quote, teaching everybody. Yeah. Put air quotes there. I love that little tag of him trying to convince her. He says, And to end our studies, what do we always say, class? Learning is magic. <laughs> it's just <laughs> after school special. Come on, right yeah. there. It's so <laughs> yeah, oh, he, man. He overdid it a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. His mother, and his mother wasn't buying it. No. Well, I think, I think she was, I think she wasn't buying it until Captain Marvel shows up with more resources on her iPad and I, right. I don't remember if this is in my head, this happened, but I think there was some kind of after school special music playing in the background to sort of reinforce, Oh, everything's going to be okay. And of course that sight gag comes in at the end with Thor's hammer all blinged out with like Mardi right, Gras right, right. stuff. And that's when I think she realizes something else had taken place. Yes. That she was not. And again, Jane also must've said something must've, told her the truth in order to get or told Heimdall and communicated to her that that her son was causing problems so she knew she wasn't unaware that he was doing something he shouldn't be doing he just he just did a good job of of cleaning up after himself yeah (laughs) that's uh covering for himself And, and what i got from that is that even though she probably knew that he was doing wrong things his relationship with Captain Marvel, the fact that she was helping cover for him, I think yeah. his mom realized, okay, well, something good is happening here. So we can yeah. we can agree to let that go. You're still And grounded. she <laughs> friggin' knew who Captain Marvel was, which is interesting. So yeah. clearly she was aware of her, you know, she is a superpower being who is clearly almost as powerful as Superman in the MCU. She is just like right. the most powerful being from Earth traveling the galaxy doing things and so clearly she was aware of, of her power and uh, and her presence in the universe which is interesting absolutely yeah and so we get to that ending which i think is this is different than we're used to because oh, yeah. in previous episodes we've gotten a well the last episode for sure we got a hey this could be a potential sequel that we weren't really interested in seeing other episodes i think ended in a way that could set themselves up for like what would happen afterwards but this clearly was a deliberate, like, oh my gosh, we have Ultron. And I know that when Disney released this, they released it one episode a week. So we didn't necessarily know what the next title was, but we have that knowledge now. I'm wondering, Adam, are we getting a follow-up? Are you going to be in the same universe? I feel like we are, or at least getting the introduction of a character that is coming up in the next two episodes. I'm wondering if this is going to be right. a three-part some tie-in, yeah. I don't know. And and as I mentioned, I have not seen any of the, the remaining episodes. So this will be it'll be fun to find out. One can also say that they're setting things up to continue in a future season also. Yes. That's another possibility. Even if it doesn't happen here, it might be that they're going to revisit a few of the most popular episodes in a future season, which is they'll have plenty of time to find out which episodes the fans responded well to and might be worth revisiting in some way. That's an interesting concept the idea of you have nine episodes so you have nine universes potentially that you can play in and then continue these stories 
wow, that's a lot. And <laughs> it would be a lot to keep up with. Hopefully they wouldn't have to commit to nine universes. Like you said, maybe they'll find the two or three that were like, yes, we definitely want to continue yeah. this. But And then introduce some new ones for brand new what-if scenarios that we haven't yet encountered at all for the remaining episodes. But yeah, yeah it's an interesting ending partially because something new happens with the watcher here because for the first time i feel like the watcher didn't seem to know exactly what was going on or how it would play out because he kind of wraps up his narration in a very positive way and then and it's like oh but wait you know and then here comes through a portal ultron who has vision's face and he has all of the infinity stones so clearly other events that should have happened in Age of Ultron did not happen in this right. version of this universe where Thor, and again, all because Loki wasn't present. So mm-hmm. the ramifications, even though this episode was comical, the ramifications could have been very serious in that sense. The role that Loki did, and ultimately, even though he was evil, he ultimately caused a lot of important things to transpire that affected the universe in the way that we have seen it unfold so it's uh it'll be interesting if we get a another glimpse in this world mm-hmm. in a future episode we've got two episodes to find out for the season at least yeah <laughs> do you have any parting shots before we wrap things up well there's yeah there's one shot and i don't know what this was all about or if it was just a random shot but when captain marvel and thor are fighting and flying through the, the sky there's this weird shot where it's like, I think, over like a tropical island or yes. Hawaii. I don't know where, where they are. But you see them kind of flying through the sky. It's kind of There's kind of a sunset. And then the camera kind of pans over to a woman sitting in like a beach chair reading something. And she has, she's got a drink next to her. And it kind of holds on her for a yeah. few minutes and, or seconds, I should say. And I'm trying to figure out who is that. And there, Me too. There's got to be some relevance to this. I did a little online digging and I couldn't really find a definitive answer. Uh, the only theory that someone posited was that it might have something to do with in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Coulson was always talking about how Tahiti. he went to Tahiti, right? Yes. It's a very special place. A very special yeah. place. There's yeah. something about that someone was trying to make, but obviously that wasn't Coulson. So I don't know. I'm just wondering if you if you caught that. No, to I me, caught it. Yeah. In this type of show, everything means something. Everything, every detail is there for a reason. So I think there's some significance to this, whether we'll know until maybe it's something that they haven't yet revealed, but it will mean something down the road. I I thought I had the exact same reaction. I was like, wait a minute, they're holding on her for too long. What is that? Yeah. And I just did a quick, I just did a quick internet search and could not find anything. I heard, I tried to just do bland, like beach lady Thor Easter egg, what if, and like yeah. nothing. It was just not, no. not there. So that's definitely a question I have. I, I didn't really look for the watcher. I was having too much fun, just kind of enjoying the whole episode. But obviously he's more involved here, as you mentioned. And so the watcher sighting is definitely more prominent. But uh, yeah, nothing else for me. No, no, it, it was a good one, though. Really fun, really entertaining. It wasn't too long. You know, some, some of the episodes sometimes feel like, oh, this, it's dragging a little bit. But this one just kind of felt just right for the story that they wanted to tell. It really works if you know the MCU and know all these characters. You know, you have Rocket Raccoon hung over in a sink in a hotel room. I mean, like, just all these fun little details are great for fans. If you have never seen any of the MCU films, maybe 
this doesn't work as well, perhaps, but they really know their audience. <laughs> or if you don't like Taika Waitiki, then this probably isn't for you. There you go. So, yeah, there yeah. You go. <laughs> That'll wrap up this episode of an original series. Adam, what is coming up? Well, we have the second to last episode of season one, and it's entitled What If Ultron Won? And that could tie into what we just saw. Or it could be a completely different episode, different universe, different scenario. But I'm curious. There's a lot of famous voices back for this episode again. So we uh, will have to wait and see. And obviously, uh, if you didn't know this, it's also the highest rated episode on IMDb. So that bodes I, well I for us. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Of the, of the nine, I think it's rated the highest, like in a 9.0. So really excited for that thing. Going to trust the audience there for those. So we'll see yeah. what happens. All right. Well, thank you guys again for tuning in and joining our conversation. I'm Patch. He's Adam. And we are out of here.